Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. I want to read all of you something that I uh, read recently on Facebook that is applicable to the mindset that the Jewish world has, the Jewish world outside of Israel. It is called, Diaspora Jews Tell Moses to Get Lost. This was on Facebook. Imagine if Moses were to come to America today with the mission of bringing the Jews to Israel. Chances are that his call would be met by deaf ears. Let's face it, outside of a few weirdos, who would listen? By and large, the Jews of America are too busy with their schooling, their careers, their businesses, their investments, and vacations. Some would question his authority. Others would doubt that Hashem had really sent him. Liberal and Reconstructionist Jews would answer like Pharaoh, Who is Hashem that I should listen to him? Others would laugh at Moses' biblical garments and wooden staff. Probably most of them would tell him to get lost. Aliyah is suicide, some would tell him, like the spies and followers of Korach of old. Not that it would ruffle Moses. After all, he had witnessed the very same scenario before, when he came to take the Jews out of Egypt. Back then, only a fifth of the Jews agreed to follow him to the land of Israel. Four-fifths of the Egypt-loving Jews died in the plague of darkness. Unfortunately, this same dense darkness has enveloped diaspora Jews today. The Torah terms it darkness mamash, meaning literal darkness. This is a darkness so thick you can actually feel it. Jews who have made Aliyah and who go back to America or France or England to visit relatives know what I mean. After speaking with fellow Jews there for a few minutes, you get the creepy feeling that they are totally out of touch with reality. Whenever I have to travel to America, I get the feeling that I am in a gigantic Alzheimer's ward. Okay, this is a lot longer than I thought. Um, I will continue after the break, and we have a great interview to listen to. So don't go away. We'll be right back. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We are, or I, I should say, I'm going to just continue reading that post because it is really good. And then we're going to bring on our guest, which um, you're going to hear I recorded earlier because of the Pesach craziness. 
Here we go. Jews who have made Aliyah and who go back to America or France or England to visit relatives know what I mean. After speaking with fellow Jews there for a few minutes, you get the creepy feeling that they are totally out of touch with reality. Whenever I have to travel to America, I get the feeling that I am in a gigantic Alzheimer's ward where the patients have forgotten who they are. Their number one concern is success and achievement, attaining the good life in America. Rebuilding the Jewish people in the land of Israel is worthy of a, deno- of, is worthy of a donation, but certainly not the main concern of their lives. I'm not talking about the devoted INN internet addicts, who first thing every morning click on the website to see what's happening in Israel. I'm talking about your average, assimilated, Haredi, or modern Orthodox Jew. Washington, D.C. is their capital. America is their homeland. Judaism is their religion, not their nationality. In their diaspora distorted reality, they are Americans first. The proof is that hearing the star-spangled banner at baseball games gives them goosebumps. Their children pledge allegiance to the American flag. Their forefathers are Betsy Ross and George Washington. If Moses himself came and tried to persuade them that the land of Israel was their home and not America or Canada or Australia, they'd look at him like he was nuts. I'm not blaming them. The darkness of materialism is so great, who can fight against it? And there is nobody there to teach them about the centrality of Eretz Yisrael to Torah. And he goes on. He goes on. Um, At best, Jewish life in America revolves around the annual Federation dinner or the shul, not around rebuilding our nation in Israel. Instead of working to bring an end to the exile, they endeavor to lengthen it by strengthening their communities there. The finale of the Pesach Seder next year in Jerusalem has become an empty slogan, just like waiting for Mashiach. Like with Moses, if Mashiach were to show up in Brooklyn or South Florida or Lakewood, he would be chased out of town for upsetting their plans. That is darkness mamash. Nonetheless, Hashem has promised us that there will be a happy ending, just as he is gathering the Jews in the Ukraine back to the promised land. One way or another, he will bring Jews, he will bring the Jews of America home to Israel as well. Those of them who remain. In the meantime, Pesach Sameach. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. Joining us today is a Ole who lives in Yerushalayim. His name is Meir or Shimshon Meir. Um, and I think there's actually another name there. He's going to tell us about his Aliyah. He's been here a little while and is actually a professional psychotherapist, if I am correct. Um, interesting story, an interesting way I met this guy. There are a lot of these um professionals medical professionals running around israel they they actually are able to continue their profession here and those of you who think moving to israel you have to give up your old life it's not true it's not true for everyone and this is a shining example today so welcome shimshon welcome to the show and um yeah go ahead tell, tell us tell us uh 
how, how, how you got to be in Israel. And, and tell me whatever mistakes I made in the introduction, please. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, thank, thanks for uh, reaching out, Natalie. I appreciate it. My name is Shimshon Mayor Frankel. Um, yeah, I, I'm originally from Michigan, um, suburb of Detroit called Huntington Woods. And uh, my, my first experience of coming to Israel was when I was a junior in, in college. I uh, did an overseas program, and it was just for one semester. Um, it was a very intensive program. The, it was whoa, called whoa. the Great Lakes Jerusalem Program. Oh, very nice. Well, okay, so what year was that? That was 1991. Okay. Great late. Da you know, dating heard. myself, right? Okay, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So it's called. It was. I. I. I assume it's called the Great Lakes Jerusalem program because they didn't want to put the 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 word Israel in it. Mm -hmm. Um. And we did. We did. Uh. Live in Jerusalem, but we lived right inside of Jaffa Gate, right in the Christian Quarter in a hotel. All right. And so slow down uh, already, because this is not like any program I've ever heard of. Um. <clears throat> what kind of students were they and what kind of Jew were you? So I, I grew up reform. Um, I always joke, say we were, we were stark reform because I actually went, went to uh, temple on Shabbat. And, uh, and as many of my friends growing up who once they reached the bar bat mitzvah age, they were basically finished. And there was a, a couple handfuls of us that stuck through, and we even graduated from what they called uh, religious high school, which is just, a, I guess, Hebrew school for, for advanced kids. Okay, slow down um, right there. You're talking to an audience, all kinds of people listening. When you say you had a bat mitzvah and you were finished, finished what? So exactly. That's, now, well, that's a great question. When I look back in retrospect, um, we we really hadn't finished much of anything. Um, <laughs> I don't really know how to how to explain it. I just looking back, I I really I really feel like I didn't get much of an education. I learned I learned a little bit of Hebrew in the sense that I I could read it. I could pronounce the letters. Uh -huh. I knew what some of the word, I, words I meant. I see what you mean. You're, you're talking about you went to Hebrew school maybe twice a week or something, and the bat mitzvah was like the graduation. Right. Yeah, that was graduation for most people. But uh, myself and some very close friends, we stuck through it uh, even further. So we went through the 12th grade. Okay, so this is uh, then, like after school yeah. type of uh, nighttime classes about Israel That's true. or about religion or something like that. Okay. Right. It was on Sunday, you know, what they used to call Sunday school. So it was Sunday mornings and Tuesday evenings, we, we went to the temple. Yeah. So that, that was basically my, yeah, my Jewish upbringing. Um, I did sort of run away from it because I kind of didn't feel like it made any sense to me or, and I've always been kind of like a searcher. It's my, my personality. All right. I'm going to find stop out you again. who I am. I'm going to stop you again because you're not telling me or you're not telling us what you did learn. You're just saying you didn't learn much, but what did you learn? What was the content of this, you know, from age six to age 13, twice a week, probably two hours, I'm guessing each little class after school, what did you learn? 
I mean, other than the, the main purpose was, which was social, I believe, and having close Jewish friends outside of my public school experience, which I think was the most important piece to it all. Uh, we, we did learn what I would consider stories when we talked about Torah. We, it was really just a, uh, a story-based approach, which um, most of the time was very agricultural when, when talking about the, the festivals. Everything was very agriculturally focused. Um, the, uh, the reform camp that I, that I went to in the summer, um, it didn't have a kosher cafeteria or anything. I think it, that's changed today. I think now they've tried to implement more tradition in, into the camp. But uh, it, yeah, most of the time, I was just learning a little bit of Hebrew, socializing, hearing some very interesting stories. And to me, I have to admit, like even the, the country of Israel... I didn't even know it really existed. I, I thought it was just a story that we told, like a fantasy or some, something that happened in the past, uh, maybe a little taste that it might, might be something that, that we might have again in the future. But it wasn't until I got into high school that I must have had, must, uh, he was probably like a more Zionist uh, teacher. And, and he had mentioned, oh, the, you know, we, it's actually a country and people live there. And uh, this was... Uh, it was this was new news yeah. to me right so so just jump forward into college i had now maybe you'll appreciate this story i had signed up to go overseas to south africa <laughs> and one of the in one of the professors that i was uh, working under had invited me because he was also going to be doing uh, some work in south africa for that semester and he invited me to come and I was going to do some um, interesting research on rats, um, which we won't talk any further about, as you can imagine what that's about. Um, and, and at the same time, I, I had taken a South African class when I was in, in college. So I, I'd really gotten a, a good taste of what, a, of what apartheid was and uh what okay well, can i just through. may i say something you took a class in college so you think you got a taste of what apartheid was you also went to hebrew school for <laughs> seven years so you think you'd get a good taste of what judaism was you see where i'm going with this right yeah absolutely i mean come on yeah, and, it, and it and and it's it's in interesting how it all came together in that way I, I was supposed to to leave to do this off overseas program that year, and it was probably a month before I was supposed to leave the states to go to South Africa, and and the, they closed the program. Uh, stay tuned with us. We'll be right back to find out what happened after these messages.
Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Returning Home. We're continuing our talk with Shimshon Meir Frankel, and he was just telling us that he had planned to go to South Africa for a year abroad to cure and rid the world of apartheid, but that entire program was canceled and the entire country shut down, he's telling us. So listen up, we'll continue our talk. The country closed all the overseas programs, so I had to rush to figure out what am I gonna do instead. Mm -hmm. I had already told myself, I'm going overseas, I'm gonna learn something interesting. And so I, I went back to the, uh, to the administrative building and I looked through all the pamphlets and I saw this Jerusalem, you know, this Great Lakes Jerusalem program. I said, oh, that's what I, you know, I'm Jewish. That's where I should go. Wow, so did, you, did you have like an how, advisor or someone to kind of guide you? I mean, why would you be doing this all on your own? Yeah, well, I didn't, yeah, I did not have an advisor and uh, I, I've always been in, pretty independent. I mean, I'm an only child. You know, making decisions on my own isn't isn't a new thing. So the, here I was looking at the pamphlet. And, and, and I'll ask you one more thing. And, I, I told you I would jump in a lot, right? Did you have any yeah. Jewish affiliation when you were at college? It, that's interesting. So what, what happened was I, I ran away to a school where there were very few Jews. There was maybe a, a dozen Jews who would uh, admit to it. And I I stressed that because when I when I joined the soccer team, there was a, a young fellow who was already on the team, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes type. And uh, he came up to me and said, you know, by the way, you know, I'm Jewish. And I said, oh, great. You know, and he said, but I don't tell anyone. I said, oh, I, you know, your secret is safe with me. And uh, I have to admit, I didn't really talk to him after that. I just couldn't relate to it because I grew up in a place which was culturally strong, Jewishly. You know, and there I was, you know, whatever, with my high around my neck, wondering, I don't, like, I didn't get that guy. Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't understand him at all. Mm-hmm. But, but to stress the point, I ran away, needed to get most of it as running away from my youth group. I just didn't feel like I belonged there. Um, and, then, and then I get to the school, which was uh, Methodist related, but most of the the young people there were Catholic, and wow, immediately did I realize, wow, well, I'm not these people. Right. Like, this is a very different, this is very different for me. So I went to uh, one of the adjacent cities to check out, they they actually had a reformed temple. So I went over there, I figured maybe I should get involved in that. And uh, that Shabbat was basically some rabbi playing a guitar and singing and telling stories and and i have to admit that the the reform upbringing i had 
was a little stronger than that even. Mm-hmm. I mean, we certainly didn't, you know, have the rabbi singing nice songs and get, you know, playing the guitar. I mean, we did that when we had like a Shabbaton or something like that. But um, but so it kind of kind of it was a letdown. So I I didn't I didn't go back. Um, I did. Uh, I don't remember what steps I took, but I, I did end up becoming the uh, Jewish sort of representative of the of the college. Uh, <laughs> I made some efforts. I made some efforts. I was a very very uh, liberal individual, and I really believed that uh, inter. Uh, denominational uh, discussion would lead to uh, peace. Uh, and that's what I did. I actually put a panel together. I, you know, I had a, I had a priest and I had a pastor and then I had that, the rabbi come from the, the temple, yeah. the nearby temple. God. And, um, and it went, it just went so horribly and, and it wasn't, and it wasn't the the priest or the pastor that ruined it. It was amazing how uh, how the how the rabbi was incapable of carrying on a just a, a peaceful discussion. Really? So I was kind of I was pretty broken. <laughs> oh, I was pretty broken at that time. Here I was trying to fix the world. So, uh, yeah. And, okay. Uh, well, slow down a second because you're t- you're saying some a couple of things here. They're just begging for questions now. You're saying you wanted a interdenominational forum, I guess we'll say, and you, and you liked that type of thing, but to bring around peace. Now, was there war? What what was what was why was this needed at that time? Well, I okay. Anti-Semitism wasn't new to me. Uh, for example, when I when I went to public school my, in my first year as a freshman, uh, in the first week or two, we found pamphlets strewn all over strewn all over the floor, um, and I picked it up. And I have to admit, I don't remember everything that it said, but it was like a KKK thing, and it and it it had indicated that the Jews are using the blacks as their strong right hand, and and I and I, I didn't understand what any of that meant. But I knew that it wasn't right, and it was very uncomfortable. Um, I mean, there were many, you know, some other experiences in, I had. For this example, is in, in, was, wait, wait, this is all college. This is all college, right? No, that that's in high school. That, that was back uh-huh. in high school. So I, I definitely had had had. You know, let's go back to having a taste, right? I had a taste of what I think anti-Semitism is, and um, <laughs> and. You know, and a lot of it was coming from people who were, I mean, who claimed to be Christian. Mm-hmm. So I, my idea was that let's talk about what the, the things that we actually have in common, not the things that divide us, that, that make us seem so different from one another. So you said that, this, uh, on the, on this on this I, Methodist college campus. That's correct. So mm-hmm. that was that was the reason for the panel. Uh, to bring people together, to create peace, to to talk about, you know, just humanity, like what it is that that connects us all. Uh, all which, right. So uh, let me like ask I you. Said, said, let me let me stop you there. You you said you were there were just like a dozen Jewish students at this college, and I asked a really silly question. Then, like, did you have any Jewish affiliation? I mean, I'm guessing there was no Jewish group, no Hillel, no Chabad, nothing. So like there that. was right there. There is a Hillel in that in the school today. Uh, but in my time, there was absolutely nothing. 
uh, the only option that you had was was a church, and uh, <clears throat> and I was in the choir, mm -hmm. so I had spent quite a bit of time in there in the in the church, um, just singing. Um, I did get a, a a really nasty taste of anti-Semitism in the sense that when I had gotten a little bit tired of some of the uh, music we were singing. And I thought maybe there would be other options because even in my public school growing up, we even sang Hebrew songs. Uh, that kind of gives away the right the how many Jews we had in our school. But uh, so I came, I went to to speak to the choral director, and I said, you know, well, don't you think we could try singing some of these other songs and, and maybe even a Hebrew song once in a while. And, and he said to me, basically, there are no better songs than the songs that we are singing. Mm -hmm. um, so he, he shut me down quite okay. quickly. Okay. All right. Let's, let's um, go to this panel that you said the rabbi ruined it. That was what your, your sophomore year. I mean, you, you, you hadn't gone abroad yet. That's correct. I hadn't gone abroad yet, but it, I, I think that was an, enough fuel for me to start wondering more about who I am. Yeah, I was trying to define myself, you know, figure myself out. Where, like, where do I belong? You know, Natalie, I, I really believe that the most important thing for a person is that no matter where they are or what they're doing or who they are with, they, they need to feel at home. And I was just scrambling, you know, just trying to figure out where, where do I belong? Where does a guy like me belong? <laughs> so I guess I thought South Africa because I was going to, you know, I was going to get rid of apartheid. Right. You know, as I was, you know, I had it all figured out. Uh, but that, right, that fell apart. And then I wound up in Israel. And let's talk a little bit more about that program. So that program, the, right, the Great Lakes Jerusalem program was, was supposed to be a well- a well-balanced uh, discussion program about how to create peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And again, I lived inside Jaffa Gate in the Christian Quarter in a Christian hotel, and I had many things going on in the old city. We we spent a lot of time in the in the Muslim Quarter, and that's when my liberalism really kind of took its toll because it, I, I actually got to go into people's homes and um, I mean, they hosted us beautifully. It was very impressive, you know, all, all the fruits and the coffee. I mean, I even had what, uh, what they considered to be true Arabic coffee. It was a highly condensed version. And, um, and when, when we all took a sip of it, it was almost like everyone in the room had taken LSD. I'd never seen anything like it before, but we had a second cup, and by the third cup, they told us, if you drink the third cup, please be aware that you will now be a part of our tribe. And if we go to battle with a uh, one of our cousins who was a different tribe, you will have to fight with us. <laughs> so I, I, I decided not, to not have the third cup of coffee because <laughs> I, I didn't want to obligate myself. Mm -hmm. But um, Okay, let me, let me cut in here. You're painting yeah. a picture, and I can see that picture because I live in Israel, and I've been in the old city, and I get it a little bit, and I was also a student, but there are a lot of people out there who really just don't understand, and, and one question I think everyone's asking, especially me, is 
what is a Jewish kid doing in the Christian quarter, um, trying to make peace between Arabs and Jews? Who is with you? Are you surrounded by Christians? Are you pretending to be a Christian? Do they know you're a Jew? Are there other Jews there too? Why and how? All right, we're going to stop here and uh, take a break. And please stay tuned for when we come back and we will find out the why and the how. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany is but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We are continuing our talk with Shimshon Mayor Frankel. And those of you who are just joining us, this is a very interesting story about a um, college-age Jewish boy from America. And he is telling us how he came to Israel on this program and lived in the old city um, with a Christian type of group trying to make peace between Arabs and Jews. And I asked him right before the break, why in the world was he doing this? He was surrounded by Christians. Was he trying to be Christian, pretending to be Christian? Surrounded by Christians, what was going on? Why and how? And he's going to explain it now. Okay, so there were only two Jews on, in the program. Uh, me and a fellow named Zach, who grew up Quaker because his mother had remarried a Quaker and become Quaker. Mm-hmm. And he did not have a bar mitzvah. He did not have any of the background that I had. I was the only one who had some type of background. The rest of the people there were very liberal and were majoring in something called PAGS, Peace and Global Studies. This was actually their major. That is the funniest thing I ever heard. I got to write that down. Oh, my God. Peace and Global Studies. That is great. That's right. I love that. How many students are in this program? We're talking 30 students. We're talking 300. More like 30. Yeah, there was about 30. Yeah, so um, I don't know where to begin with that. I mean, we we went into people's homes in 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 Jerusalem, in, like in the old city. Arab homes. Arab, 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 these are Arab, Arab homes. Arab, Arab homes. Yes, and and it always was the same. I would walk in. It was so dilapidated. I mean, it was like some of the walls would even be falling down when I'd walk into the home. I see. But they would have very nice things, like very nice furniture. They had a lot of food. You know, they were very happy, happy people. And I, and once I even asked, I said, "What? Well, you know, I don't understand. Why, why don't you put a little paint on the walls? I mean, don't you think a nicer environment, you feel more healthy to, to live in a, in a home that has a little bit of paint on the walls? And they just looked at me and said, well, we won't do that. I said, why not? He said, because, because then we look like we are the lowest on the totem pole and in the world that's what the world cares about whoever is the underdog whoever is considered the lowest on the totem pole is the one who gets the attention that people will pay attention to us so 
this is this was a yeah a reality wake up call for you, know, you. we're pretending to wake be up poor call. we're pretending to be poor this is all a big play this is what they do yes this is what they do yeah it, yeah it was you know and i didn't go looking no for mentioning it. of so, the cola and the coca-cola and the snickers bars and all the stuff they buy because they have and they do and they still ride a donkey like it's unbelievable what these yeah. people do unreal but that's what they do they they pretend yeah well it's so it's, it's really it, it really comes down to their leadership or lack of <clears throat> leadership right Right. Yeah, we don't have to go too deep. Into <laughs> so it. it's pretty so, obvious. So you learned this uh, pro probably pretty quickly. Yeah, and and then and we we met we 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 went to uh, Ramallah a couple times. I, I I met the Hamas leader at the time. He was about 24, 25 years old. Um, yeah, he had some pretty nasty rhetoric. Um, we also went to a peace discussion in Gaza at the red cross but that was a not an easy trip we got into gaza at the time in a bus a protected bus that had a sign in the front i asked what the sign said because it was in arabic and i was told that uh, we were getting in because the sign said that we are family members of people who are incarcerated and we were coming to visit them <laughs> so i guess we we had to lie our our way into gaza and then when we got there, as we turned the corner to the street that the Red Cross was on, we our bus started getting pummeled by rocks. Because why? Because there was a war going on. Right in front of my eyes, there's a war. There's Hamas and Fatah. They're just killing each other. They're throwing these, they're hurling these huge stones at each other. And now at the time, so they were they were waving the Palestinian flag, and at that time, the palace to wave the Palestinian flag flag in public was it was forbidden. It was against the law. So the Israeli soldiers actually came in to take over to calm everything down, and it was an interesting scene. Immediately as they started walking with those big shields, you know how they have those mm -hmm. tall shields that cover cover their entire body like a wall of shield as they started walking towards the the, the war many of them turned around next thing you know they're like all together they're not fighting each other anymore they turn around some of them jump over this huge wall and i actually could see them on the other side of the wall because i was in a bus so i saw them hurling huge stones over the wall they didn't know where they you know the stone was going to go but they were definitely hurling it over and what happened it was all the young, I mean, you know how it is. It's usually a bunch of teenage boys yep. who are doing all of this, Yeah. right? So they, they jump over the wall. Some are still throwing he, um, stones. And the women, in all, you know how they're, the, what do you call it, a hijab or something? Mm -hmm. The entire body is covered with right. black, you know, right. it's like a, a black sheet over their entire right. body right. With, with a little hole, holes to, to see through their eyes through their eyes um and yes there were holes for the eyes you know yeah. I, I see nowadays sometimes there isn't um they were actually approaching the soldiers so the women had formed a line and they were going towards the soldiers as all the young teenage boys were running away and and jumping over the the wall and 
hurling stones. Okay, let, let's go beyond this. So, let, let, let's go past yeah. this. Um, I, I, and I understand why you get caught up in it because it's nothing like, nothing prepares you for that. Um, you know, when you watch the movies of the news even, you there's music and there's maybe a narrator, you know, and you maybe see snapshots, but when you're in it, there's no music. You know, there's no narrator telling you what's going on. It's, 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 it's some, you know, it's very, very scary and it's unpredictable. I know. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's very dramatic and, um, powerful. All right. Tell me if you may, yeah. if you can g just give me, um, let's fast forward to maybe, I guess you became disenchanted with this group and this program. You know, after that, maybe even before that, what what did you do? You're an independent person. You told me you make your own decisions. You're an yeah. only child. I can't imagine you sticking it out. I just can't. Yeah. Well, what what happened? What the break for me was, you know, I grew up in in a Judaism which was all based on the Holocaust, meaning I was Jewish because there was a Holocaust. That was the God. message I was given. God, that's the worst. So, so. We had met some Holocaust survivors at Yad Vashem, and we listened to, to their story. And when we came back that night, we sat in a circle on the roof of the hotel, which is what we did because that's where our classroom was. Um, and we had a discussion about it. And I was very taken aback. It hurt me deeply that the only thing that people had to say was how upset they were that that lady said nasty things about the Arabs and the Palestinians, that they were like Nazis. Okay, because she did say that. Who's that that's she? what they're Who like. She? Who is she? What, a survivor, a, a ah. Holocaust survivor. Ah, you met one right? of these. She's, uh, she's, okay. Right, so she said those things. And that's all people were bothered about. Right. As opposed to all the other details in her story and the right. other person's story that were just devastating. And and that that hit me hard. And the next day, we were supposed to go to Bar Ilan University, where there was a professor who was an ex-Hamas leader. Okay, that's who we were supposed to go and visit. Mm -hmm. And I had said, you know what? I had seen people getting shot and killed and getting uh, bashed with huge rocks uh, the week before. And I think I had just had it. I was like, I, I don't need that anymore. Like, I, 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 I get it, right? I understand that this is a very sort of scary place, and I don't need to go visit this fellow. So I told, I told the the leaders of of the uh, the program, um, and they said to me, "Oh well, you're a thinker." That's what they told me. You know, that's what made me different. I'm a, I'm a thinker. Yeah, man. I, you know, I'd never considered myself a thinker before, but uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing to be told. Oh, look, I actually think about things. So, so I called my parents and I said, look, this is what's going on. This was supposed to be a really well-balanced you know, program. And it's only, it's so lopsided. You know, every time that we met a Jew, it was what they called a settler. Right. And he was so right wing that, I mean, he would show the scars on his body that he got, you know, in the military 
and et cetera, et cetera. It was, it was always so extreme. It's just not a normal person. Mm-hmm. Just give me somebody to, you know, let's talk with some Jews that like, let's have coffee with somebody. <laughs> be normal. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Let's just be normal here. So I told my parents, I, I'm not, I'm not getting it. You know, I'm not getting what they promised me. And they were so good to me. They said, look, you just, you know, we don't expect you to sit in those classes anymore. You just get, you get your own education. You figure it out. And I did. I was walking around the old city and I ran into a, a, a Yid. I ran into a Jew who, well, he just walks up to me. He's like, what's your name? Where are you from? What are you doing here? Now he, okay, now he and must I, have seen you alone, miserable, yeah. searching, searching. And yeah, they, there are people who can tell. Well, we are out of time. I can't believe it. We didn't even get to the Aliyah part. So we will continue this on a future show, maybe even next week. Um, thank you all for listening. Have a great week. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.